Morning. It's great to see you all, and you're really welcome if this is your first time with us this morning. I'm Chris, um, and have we got a PowerPoint? Oh, it's coming. Okay, great. I wanted to start by sharing... There we go. I want to start by sharing a question that I've been asking myself recently. It might be something to do with having a midlife crisis, okay? Let's just get that on the, on the table. But the question is, what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, have you ever been asked that? Uh, this was a question when I, I was asked a lot when I was young, and now I hear my own kids being asked it, particularly by adults. It seems to be a question that's sort of passed down from generation to generation. Yeah, and I'm interested in, in some of you guys, what you would say right now about what you would... Uh, want to be when you grow up. Can I have any volunteers? Anyone who wants to share what they're planning to be when they, when they grow up? Okay, let me see. So I've got Oscar here. What do you want to be when you grow up? A footballer. Footballer, excellent choice. Okay, next one. Engineer. Engineer, very impressive. Very impressive. Anyone else I, I can see? Oh, I can see. Do you want to say something? Doctor. Oh my goodness, a doctor. An artist. Oh, and an artist, wow. Any others? Any? Yeah. Let, let's, this could be, it's kind of like a group therapy session. Let's come on. What, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'm either a shepherd or a ship's captain, or maybe working in sort of mission control at NASA, be in charge of mission control. And it's not too late for any of those, no. Jess. Okay. <laughs> Great. Um, well, thank you. Uh, thank you guys for sharing that. I think one of the interesting things about, about that question is that we tend to answer it uh, referring to a, to a job or to, to a career. Um, and I think I've often tended to do that. I've defined who I am and what, what my worth is, who I will be when I grow up by my job, by my career and my achievements. So when my wife, Ray, bought me this picture for my 40th birthday last year, I really paid attention. Now this is taken from Charlie Mackesy's uh, book, uh, The Boy, the Mole, the Fox and the Horse. You might be familiar with it. What do you want to be when you grow up? The mole asked. Kind, said the boy. And it made me wonder Maybe I've been looking at this question all wrong over the years. Perhaps, rather than dreaming of success and fame, being kind is a better thing to, to aim for. And then when Manny asked me to do this um, talk, I wasn't really sure what to, talk, uh, what to talk about. I was kind of racking my brains. And I was thinking about it on my weekly cycle to Brixton. And just as I did, I cycled past this mural on the side of a cafe on Brixton Hill. Has anyone seen that, Brixton Hill, on the side of a cafe? So that was kind of an amazing moment. I was thinking, what should I talk about? And then I saw that, and then I felt pretty clear what I wanted to talk to you all about today, which is being kind to one another. Um, and as you may know, we're doing a series. I think we're still doing the series on the one ways. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> we're doing a series um, on the one another's in the, in the New Testament, the hundred or so teachings about how we should treat one another in God's community. So here's the verse for today. You can see where this is going. Actually, it's half a verse, short and sweet, from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, 
uh, chapter 4, verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another. And as I thought about this verse, three questions came to mind, which I'm going to briefly look at now. And there they are. Why be kind? Who shall we be kind to? And how can we be kind? So first of all, why be kind? Now, kindness doesn't always come very naturally to me, to be honest. If you've got any brothers or sisters, you might know that it's easier and sometimes it's frankly a bit more fun and attractive to be unkind to them uh, and not to be kind. Um, now, you may know that I'm, I'm lucky enough to have the wonderful James Wake as a brother. Um, one of the things you may not know about James is that he's always hated bananas. And he has a rather strange aversion to them. So whenever he annoyed me, I obviously went out of my way to find a really squishy banana peel. There you go. Something like that. To peel in front of him and then dangle in his face. That was, a, that was, that was really the more instinctive thing to do than to be kind to him. Um, and you'll notice that he's not here today. And I think it's because he, I, I chatted him before. I told him I was, I was going to mention this story. I'm pretty sure that's why, why he's not here. But since he's not here, I can tell you, if you see him and there's a banana around, you could just put it in his face and, and see what he does. You obviously, you, you, didn't, hear, you didn't hear that from me, uh, but, just, but just try it. Um, so why should we be kind if being unkind is, is perhaps more obvious thing to do? Well, I think the answer to this lies in Paul's next sentence uh, in his letter to the Ephesians. So after encouraging them to be kind, he says this. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And I think this verse gives us a pretty good answer to the why question. Um, firstly, Paul is reminding us in the second part of that sentence that God was kind to us first through Jesus' death and his resurrection, his sacrifice which repaired the relationship between us and God. So when Paul encourages us to be kind, it's not something in isolation. It's in response to God's kindness to us first. And secondly, Paul says that as the church, we're called to be God's imitators in the world, people who copy God. By imitating God, we can be God's hands in the world, showing his love and his compassion to the people around us. And I love how um, Tom Wright puts it. He wrote, kindness is one of the purest forms of the imitation of God. And if kindness is one of the purest forms of copying God, then perhaps that little boy in the picture is right. Perhaps kindness is a better thing to aim for when we grow up. Okay, so that's the why. And now we're moving on to the who. Because once we've figured out why we should be kind, perhaps the next question is, well, who then shall we be kind to? Um, now, Paul says, be kind to one another. And I think what he's saying is, that the kindness actually starts right here in this building within our family, the church. 
And that if we're kind to one another, then the church can powerfully imitate God and show the world who he truly is. So that might sound quite easy, just being kind in this little, this little room um, amongst our own family. But you, you know family well enough to know that actually it can be really hard. Sometimes the people we love and we know the best can be the hardest people to be kind to, like, like my brother, particularly when they've hurt us. Sometimes being kind to somebody in this community means reaching out to those who don't yet feel welcome, and that can take courage, and it's inconvenient sometimes to do that. Personally, I've had a variety of experiences as a stranger in new churches. Um, in one church, I put my name down as a newcomer, and then I was never contacted. Um, in another church, I was made to stand up on my first week during the service in front of the whole congregation. Maybe something we could introduce uh, here for, for our newcomers. And, and then at the other end of the extreme, I've been to a church in South Africa where as soon as we walked in, usually about half an hour late, uh, that was even before we had children, we were always half an hour late for church, continuing that, they changed the entire service from their own language, which was Afrikaans, into English, just to include me and Ray in the service to make, our, make us feel welcome. And you can guess which of those churches I wanted to be part of because of their kindness. Okay, so it starts, it starts here in this family, but then how about beyond our community? How about the people not in church, but who, who we would like to be in church? How about the people who feel left out by society, or even feel left out and rejected by the church? Growing up, I was, um, I was quite a big Where's Wally fan. Uh, anybody know Where's Wally? Um, and thinking about who to be kind to in the world can sometimes feel like trying to find Wally in a huge crowd. Just how do you know where to start? Now, whilst I'm um, going to keep talking, we can keep this picture up. Can anyone find Wally in this picture? So if anyone who hasn't played before, Wally's on the left. And somewhere in there is Wally. You, you can spot him with his red and white... Uh, Red and white top. So let's uh, hand, let's see if you can get it first. Oh, yeah. Where is he? That was quick. Behind the... Whereabouts? I've actually lost him now. Behind the screen in the middle. Very good. Okay. I wish I had a prize for you, but you know, you, you, but you, got, it, you got it first, so you can feel good about that. Uh, keep looking to see if you, to see if you can see, um, see Wally. But let me tell you about someone who was really good at identifying those left out you know, even and especially in crowds, and that was, and that was Jesus. Because when we look at who Jesus was kind to, he wasn't just kind to his inner circle and his disciples. He actively sought out those who were rejected by their communities. Think about Zacchaeus, the tax collector, for example. He was rejected um, by society for his job and for his political connections. But with him and with so many others... Jesus went out of his way to show simple acts of kindness to somebody that society had rejected. Having a conversation, spending time, having compassion for their situations. And in the case of Zacchaeus, you can see literally searching him out and finding him in a crowd. And I wonder who that makes you think of right now, in your road or in your school or in your work, a person left out and perhaps hidden because of how other people see them. 
And whoever that is, perhaps that's the person that God wants you to show kindness to this week. Okay, so lastly, final point. How can we be kind? And to be honest, when I started thinking about this talk, I was thinking about the word kind, and part of me thought, it's a little bit weak, the word kind. Like being a walkover on the football pitch and letting everyone else score, or the sort of the warm, fuzzy acts of kindness, you know, buying somebody else's groceries or sharing with your, sharing with your brother or sister when you really don't want to. But as I thought about it and I looked into this talk and I thought about imitating God, copying him, and I thought about reaching out to those who are hidden and those who are left out, kindness is starting to seem a bit more powerful um, and impactful. Um, and it's no wonder that one of the most popular children's books on kindness, on, on Amazon, you can see I had a desperate moment in my talk, I was kind of looking for inspiration, and this is, what, this is what I came up with. This is the most popular book on Amazon uh, for children about kindness. It's called Kindness is My Superpower by Alicia Ortego. And that sort of feels in the right kind of ballpark. In a way, kindness feels so difficult and feels so impactful that it is sort of like a superpower. And what can we do then to get this kindness superpower? Um, well, luckily, as a, as a Christian, we have quite a few tools available. Um, firstly, I think we can remember that first point in Ephesians 5, that Christ loved and was kind to us first. We're not doing this in isolation. We're doing this as a response to something that God has done for us. He was kind to us first. And therefore, we can and we should be kind to others. And if I think about it, well, actually, when somebody's been kind to me first, somehow it's so much easier to be kind back and kind to other people. Just think about your birthday, for example. Think about a time when your family or your friends really made a fuss of you, and they were, they were kind to you. You were the most important person in the world on that day. Didn't the world just seem like a better place that day? Isn't it, wasn't it so much easier to be kind to your brother and your sister when everyone else is being kind to you? So accepting God's kindness is our starting point, I think, which then frees us up to be kinder to others. Okay, next. Does anybody recognize this bookmark? Can anyone tell me what it is? Yeah, go on, guys. Remember what it was called? It begins with E. It's the, um, it's the examine, the VKids examine bookmark, which is pinned up on my notice board. It's my notice board. And it's a prayer and meditation exercise, which was part of our series on the rule of life a couple of years ago. And this is the VKids, um, VKids version, which I really liked. And I think one of the main obstacles, actually, to being kind can be focusing on myself, focusing on what I need, or even being unkind and critical to myself when I've got things wrong. And when I'm feeling negative, inwardly, then I think I'm at my least likely to be kind outwardly. And I think I found the second point on the examine. Uh, can you see it there? Give thanks. I think I probably found that one of the most helpful things in shifting my gaze from myself to other people. A few years ago, I was struggling with what I would have described at the time as perfectionism. It's quite sort of getting me down, feeling like I needed to get everything right. And Neil and Kate, out of the blue, kindly bought me a book uh, called The Perfectionism Book. 
um, by Will van der Hart and, um, and Rob Waller. And I found it a really helpful book. Um, one of their suggestions, which was both quite surprising and I found incredibly hard, was to practice gratitude. And they suggested remembering a specific incident from your day or your week which you really were annoyed about, where you really thought that you hadn't made the mark, the thing that was really getting you down. And then doing an exercise to consider all the things that you were grateful for about that thing. And to be honest, when I tried doing that the first time, thinking about something that went wrong in my day, my initial answer was absolutely nothing. I'm grateful for absolutely nothing. I can only kind of condemn myself. But as I sort of worked on it and forced myself to think about the great, being grateful, I did start to identify some things that perhaps I was grateful for. Maybe it was something I learned from a mistake or making a connection with somebody out of my mistake which I wouldn't otherwise have made. And the amazing thing was that as I started to think about what I was grateful for, I started to feel less annoyed with myself and more interested in thinking about other people. Um, and the authors have a really good sort of explanation for why this is the case. They write, actively being grateful softens our hearts towards others and softens others' hearts towards us. So the next time you're feeling annoyed with somebody you love, um, a sibling or loved one, perhaps you could think about what you're thankful for about that person and see what happens. See if that helps you to be kind. Okay, and lastly, how about those people left out? I think for me, when I'm honest, one of the things stopping me from being kind to people who are excluded is probably fear. It's fear of the unknown, fear of getting it wrong, fear of moving out of my comfort zone. But if we go back to Jesus' example, I think one of the amazing things about how Jesus related to people left out is that he stepped into their worlds in order to be kind to them. If you think back to Zacchaeus, Jesus didn't just talk to him um, when he was up there in that, in that tree. Um, he called him down and then he went to stay in his house. He stepped into his world and experienced his world firsthand. And I think that can give us a huge clue about how we can be kind to those who've been left out in our communities, stepping into their worlds by being curious and seeking to understand them and their stories. And I think the more that we can understand people's stories, the more we will naturally want to be kind to them. Okay, and final point, and with this I will finish. Um, we don't do this alone. Um, Paul reminds us in Ephesians 4 that we have the seal, the stamp of the Holy Spirit to help us to have this uh, superpower of kindness in our lives. So if any of this is sounding sort of hard to you today, accepting God's kindness, being thankful for your really annoying sibling, reaching out to people who are left out and hidden, then we can ask the Holy Spirit to help us.